Today's scripture reading is from Hebrews chapter 10, <coughs> verses 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through the flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another, one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet, meet together and is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you, you see the day drawing near. This is the reading of God's word. All right, so uh, starting today and in the following Sundays, I, I didn't know what series to call this, but it's a purpose. Um, we're just going to call it Ministry Focus. So starting today and then every Sunday forward, at least until mid-February, we're going to focus on a particular ministry that's been happening and going on and, or starting uh, in our church. One of the reasons we're doing this is because this is in response to a lot of the answers on the survey. One of the issues we saw in the survey was that a lot of us didn't know or don't know what other people are doing, who's on that committee, what their goals are, what, what, what activities they're planning, what, what's going on in their meetings. And so part of informing the church and letting you know what's happening, but not only that, having an opportunity to pray for each of these ministries and those who serve them, and also um, to recruit uh, any needs and anything we, we need to, uh, uh, I guess, continue that ministry for more help. And so ministry focus, ministry focus Sunday, that's what we're doing. So today, we're focusing on the fellowship committee. Uh, if you know the fellowship committee, you know who's leading it, but uh, we have always had good rate leaders in the past. It's a very difficult ministry, but this year, uh, our own, very own Eric Spence, sitting there, uh, the guy, can't miss his hair, um, he is our uh, fellowship leader for this year, okay? So I need to speak something about fellowship, and you've heard many of this before, but I'm going to do it anyway, and then I'm going to ask Eric to come up and to share briefly uh, some of the things that, you know, we've been talking about and he's been thinking about uh, for, for ministry, and, uh, and then we'll pray for that group, we'll pray for that ministry, and then we'll end the service that way, okay? Okay, so fellowship. Uh, we all know what fellowship is. We all like fellowship at some point or some level of it, and I think Hebrews 10 gives us some, some things to think about. Um, Hebrews was written to a group of people, not quite sure exactly who wrote it, so many of them refer to the author of Hebrews, writing to a group of people who were struggling. They were struggling in their faith. Maybe they didn't know they were struggling, but they found themselves distancing themselves from God in their faith. Hebrews is a book of perseverance, how to persevere, how to persevere. And basically the whole thrust of this letter or this book here is this, keep moving, keep going. Keep pushing. Don't give up, right? That's his only encouragement. But the interesting thing is this, that the passage that Jessica just read for us, one of the things he talks about, I think, is fellowship. Now, if your theme is about persevering in your faith, growing in your faith, uh, not, not, you know, not giving up, but keep going, and then you talk about fellowship, what does that mean? It means that fellowship, no matter how lightly we might think about it, at least for the author of Hebrews, it's one of the ways in which we persevere. It's that important. And so 
uh, we need to talk about it a little bit. We need to do a good job with it, and we need to be intentional with it, all right? Three points. I think Hebrews tells us, one, we have fellowship with God. Two, because we have fellowship with God, I think Hebrews tells us we have fellowship with one another. Three, he tells us what that, does that look like and how do we do it, okay? Fellowship with God, fellowship with one another, what does it look like and how do we do it? This section opens with the word, therefore, okay, in verse 19, therefore, and another word, since, which you can translate as because, right? Every time you see the word therefore, you know this, that that word points you back to all the teaching that he's done in the previous uh, chapters, in the previous sections, okay? And he says, after he's doing all this teaching, he says, now, because of that, I want you to do this. Now, follow his argument here, okay? He says, verse 19, therefore, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, and since we have the great high priest over the house of God, right, he's giving us why we should do something, I want you to do this. Encourage one another. Consider one another. Okay? Follow me here. The author of Hebrews is saying this. He's saying, I want you to do something, but here's why I want you to do it. And this immediately ought to tell us something very important about the Christian life. It's not just about what you do. What's also important is why you're doing it. Why are we doing this? And he's not saying, I want you to do this so that God will love you more. He's not saying, I want you to do this so that you could be a Christian. But what he's saying, because of the word therefore, it's this. Because of what Jesus has already done for us, now I want you to do this. So when, G when, when the author opens up this passage, he's basically saying this. I want you to drop back for a moment, and I want you to think for a moment about why you ought to do what I'm going to tell you to do. And he says there in verse 10, 19, we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. And since we have confidence to enter and do this, I want you to be able to do this with each other. Now, what's he talking about? He's saying this. Author of Hebrews is saying, think for a minute. Uh, the way that they worshiped God in the temple was there were these outer courts where all the people could come in. But in the temple, there was this one room called the Holy of Holies that no one could go in except for the high priest. But in the Holy of Holies, that place, right, that room is the very presence of God. You weren't allowed to go in there unless you were a high priest, right? So you never had a direct access to God. You had to kind of stay outside. And the reason for that was because they really believed that's how holy God is. You are not clean enough to get close to this holy God, and if you were, you'd probably die. But the high priest could do it. But what the author of Hebrews is trying to say is this. He says, basically, when Jesus dies on the cross, and he calls Jesus what? Our great high priest. He mentions the fact that the curtain that separated this holy of holies from the rest of the people was ripped in half, meaning there's no more curtain, meaning that when Jesus died, now all of us have direct access to that place and that person in the presence of Jesus Christ, of God himself, the holy God. This is what he's talking about. In other words, because of what Jesus has done, you have fellowship with God, a direct 
communion with a holy God. We have fellowship with God. That's the first point. The author of Hebrews wants us to do something, and he's making an argument for why we should do it. And he's saying, think about what Jesus did. Think about what he accomplished on the cross to bring us closer to God. We have fellowship with him. Now, because of that, I want you to do this. Second point, we have fellowship with each other. Verse 24, he says, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Okay, here's, I think, a focus of your life, your Christian life. Notice carefully. You've got fellowship with God. Think about this. Therefore, this is what Jesus did. Therefore, now you do this. Consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Notice what he doesn't say. It's not what you might expect. It's not, well, you got close to God now. I want you to love me more and love people more and do more good things. That would be biblical, and I think that would be right. But it's a little different here. It's very careful. Look, consider how to stimulate another to love and good deeds. Not just you, but another. So the focus here, right, the thing that he tells us to do is on helping others become loving people. To stimulate, to provoke, to entice, to encourage people to love God, to love people, and to do good things. That's a fellowship. The aim of our lives is not just loving people more and loving God more and doing good things, but also to help others, to stir up others to love and to good deeds. You ever think about this? Hey, we're having a fellowship meeting, so-and-so, or we have a community group meeting, so-and-so, or if we have a Bible study, so-and-so. What are you thinking about when you're thinking about whether to go or not? Most of us were thinking, I don't know if I'm going to like it. I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know what I'm going to get out of it. I don't like to be in that kind of situation. But the author of Hebrews is saying this, look, you've got fellowship with God, therefore fellowship with one another, and the aim of your fellowship and your going is not just what you get out of it, but it's the, the goal of what I can give, what I can do for others, to encourage them. How can I encourage them when I go to that community group meeting? How can I encourage them spiritually when I participate in that prayer meeting? And on and on and on. That's what he's saying. Now let's be precise. He says consider, the word consider. Consider how to stir up another to love and good works. Consider. That word consider here in our passage is used one other time in the book of Hebrews. And it's chapter 3, verse 1. And the author says, consider Jesus. The word consider Jesus, or the word consider means this. Look at him. Think about him. Focus on him, study him, and let your mind be occupied by him. That's what chapter 3, verse 1, that's what he meant. Consider Jesus. That's what it meant to do. But in Hebrews chapter 10, in our passage, the grammar is the same. But rather than Jesus being the direct object of the verb, consider, literally it says this, consider what? Not just Jesus, consider, verse 24, one another. Look at each other. Think about one another. Focus on the other. Encourage one another to love 
and good things. The one another implies that there is something mutual going on. One is encouraging another. Another is encouraging one. Each is doing or saying something that encourages in the faith. That's a key element of Christian fellowship. And it's a fellowship that results because we have a fellowship with God. Fellowship with God. Consider Jesus. Fellowship with each other. Consider one another. Right? You see that? Do you hear that? God and you. God and you. You and God. And now, you and you. You and us. You and me. Right? That's what we do in our fellowship. We fellowship with God, and therefore we fellowship with one another. Okay? Now let's be clear about what we do when we fellowship. All right? Um, Going out to eat, watching a movie, maybe go bowling, um, just hanging out at home, chit-chatting, can all be part of that fellowship. It's fine, okay? It starts somewhere. My only encouragement is this. It just can't stop there. It needs to go a little deeper. Christian fellowship is just a little bit deeper than simply being together with someone. The word fellowship literally means share. Share in the Greek. We share something when we get together. And it means this. You have fellowship and you can fellowship someone not just because you're married and they're married. You have fellowship with someone. You can have fellowship with someone not just because you're single and they're single. And not because, just because they have kids and you have kids or that you like the same sports, or you that read the same books, or you enjoy the same food. I mean, those are all great, uh, easy opportunities to fellowship with someone when you have those things in common, sure. But what Hebrews, I think, is saying is this, I can fellowship with you, not because of any of those things, I can fellowship with you because we have fellowship with God. We fellowship with God, why? Because he's shared himself with me. And he's shared himself with you. And because he's shared himself with us, now we share him with each other. His time, his effort, his desires, his inheritance, his glory. God shared his son with us. And because we have this in common, we can share with one another. Fellowship with one another flows from our fellowship with God. And last point, that means this. What does that look like? How, does, how do we do this? All right, verse 25, let me read it again. Uh, verse 24. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, verse 25, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Two things. What does fellowship look like? How do we do it? Two things. Okay. First, verse 25. Don't neglect to get together. I think this is so important and it's so practical for us. Okay. But the second thing is, when you get together, look for ways to encourage one another. Right? Now let's look at the first thing. Don't neglect meeting. 
That's what he's saying. Don't neglect assembling. Don't neglect gathering together. Now, just to be clear, I think in the context of our passage, I think he's referring to worship, Sunday worship. Come to church regularly. Regularly. Because you cannot fellowship. If fellowship is important for your faith to persevere, and and you can't fellowship, that means you can't fellowship with God, but you're not going to fellowship with others if you are not here, right? But I think it's not just church services, but any place where members can go and encourage one another. And I want you to know this, verse 25, again, you go not to get something, but you're also going to give something, to do something. And the kind of meeting here in view seems to be one that allows for this mutual encouragement and stirring up of one another. It's not talking about just sneaking into a big church service and then sneaking out again. It's not talking about just saying, hello, how's the weather? It's talking about a kind of meeting where you say or do something to someone that will help them to be more loving, more encouraged, more faithful. And someone can do the same for you. It could be in the church. It could be in the Bible study. It could be in the fellowship group, community group. It could be in a prayer group. It could be at work. It could be during lunch. It could be just hanging out over drinks at a bar. Any place that could happen. But let me ask you a question, and let's be honest with yourself. Where's your life between these two choices, between these two groups? I see two groups in verse 25. Those who gather to encourage each other, and the second group, those who have formed the habit, Bible says, the habit of not gathering. Right? Verse 25. Don't forsake getting together as is the habit of some. Here's a warning here that I think is important for all of us, especially these days. The warning here is that not meeting with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ can become habitual. And if I were to look at our church, if that's a habit, it's not because we are doing something horrible in our lives and we just can't get ourselves to go to church. It's simply this. You are busy. You're busy, busy with everything, right? Busy with everything. Ask yourself right now, do you find yourself in the habit of coming more or less like worship services? Does the pattern of not going to your community group feel normal to you? Does the pattern of not engaging in a small group or a Bible study comfortable to you? And if you answer yes, it's because it's a habit now. It's what you're comfortable with. It's the normal way that you do Christian life. And what I'm saying to you right now is kind of threatening. Because you don't want to be told that the Bible might be saying that you are outside of the Lord's will when you do not meet in some kind of setting intentionally designed to stir you up to love and good works. 
You cannot complain to me how hard life of a Christian is, how difficult being a Christian is, if you do not go to any of the meetings, if you never read your Bible, if you have a hard time going to worship, and you don't really want to pray. You can't come, come to me and complain, I don't understand why I'm going through all this. There's a reason. So Hebrews is saying here in this part, part one, one thing we need to do is to not get into the habit of meeting this way. And if you're in this habit right now, we need to make up our minds and say we need to break that habit. Because the danger, and I see it happen all the time, once you start missing a community group, once you start missing a worship service, once you start not going to this meeting here or there, the mindset is, it's okay, I'll go to the next one. I'll go to the next one and the next one. That's a slippery slope. A slippery slope. It's easy to just say initially, well, I'm just not interested in going, it's just not for me, and slide down that slope, and you end up developing this habit. If you're like this, then fellowship, Christian fellowship is not going to be natural to you. And so we need to make it a priority somewhere in our lives. Balance it out. And we need to be more intentional. Breaking habits are never comfortable. So why try it all? What's the big deal? What is the big deal? got to be a big deal if it's in the Bible, right? It's got to be a big deal if God put it here in Hebrews. It's got to be a big enough deal if God told you to do it. And it's also a big deal because at the end of verse 25, the author of Hebrews says, meet together, but more, even more, as you see the day drawing near. Hebrews saying is fellowship is a big deal. It is important. Because it's only going to get harder. Look, you can remember this. Those of us who were in college and we were being faithful Christians, going to church or going to fellowship, you remember how you were. You missed class just to go to Christian stuff, right? You went every day. You'd rather, you're faithful to going to a, a, a campus Bible study than going to class, which I think is wrong, right? You were ready to go to a mission trip every summer, you are single and free, and you had nothing to do. And then your life moves on. The day goes on. You get married. Now you've got a spouse to think about. Now you're just not as free as you could to do something. It's a practical issue. Then you have children, and you put many children in there. Oh, my goodness. Where to fit it all in? As we get older, it's hard to do the same things. This is what Hebrews is saying. Don't neglect meat because it's only going to get harder as the day draws near whether Jesus comes back or whether we're on our deathbed, it only gets harder. So that's why I think we need to take this pretty seriously because here's the reason. If your love is going to survive the daily pressures of stress, the difficult relationships in your life, if your love is going to survive the hard marriage or disobedient children, if your love is going to survive uh, all the letdowns and the frustrations and the terrible things that happen, not just in your life, but in, your, in the world, right? Then you need to meet with those who can stir you up to love and good works. And I feel bad for you. I, I feel bad for any person who thinks they can be a faithful Christian by themselves as the last day draws near. God is calling us through his word, I think, to break the habit of non-participation, to strengthen a habit of participation in a togetherness where we can be intentionally looking to 
to be encouraged, but also to encourage. It's not the only way to do this, but it's the way that's emphasized here in our passage. Make your meeting together with believers specifically to empower love. Don't be unintentional when you get together. Don't just say, oh, Christian fellowship is good, uh, and so we're going to go get together, eat, and talk. That's all great and wonderful, but the stakes are high enough, too high to be casual and lackadaisical or just about meeting together. The goal here is clear. We are meeting so that when we leave, we will have more power to love, more power to persevere, more power to be motivated by love, more wisdom to love, more opportunities to do good. This is why we meet, so that when people see our good, as Jesus said, God the Father is glorified in heaven. Okay? Let me just end with this. How do, I, how do we get there? How do we do this? Um, it's not in the book of Hebrews here directly. But let me just put it this way. <clears throat> if, if you agree you have fellowship with God, if you agree you have fellowship with each other, if you're going to try and meet and, and not neglect meeting together, all right, the attitude of going to a fellowship meeting is this. You need to stop complaining. You need to stop criticizing. If you're going to go to a meeting like this, you've got to stop coming with negative attitudes. I'm not saying that there's nothing wrong, okay? There are things wrong all the time. But when you come to a fellowship meeting or a group meeting or meet with other Christians, and you are nothing but complaining, criticizing, nitpicking about every little thing, or you're just only venting, you're not coming for the right reason. You're going there because you want a punching bag. You want to get that frustration out. How are you going to be the one to encourage love to other people when you come to a meeting like this? Right? When you're always spewing negativity, when you're always toxic, when you're always angry, when you're always grumbling, I'm not saying there's not a place where you can share those things honestly. Of course we are. You know, this church, we're pretty sincere in our hate, okay? I'm not, I'm not saying we can't do that. There are places to do that. But, but, the, but the thing is, you've got to ask yourself, if the intention of our fellowship is not just you be encouraged, but you also encourage others, how are you going to encourage others when you're in this dark cloud? So the key then to loving and being this kind of person in a fellowship is in verse 23, he says, let's hold fast the confession of our hope, our hope without wavering, because he who promised is faithful. How do I stop being a hater all the time and, and going to meetings looking to be encouraged and encourage others? Hebrew says, hold on to your faith. Hold on to your confession. Hold on to hope. Be a hope-filled person. Be a kind of person that, that uh, others are energized when they're around you. Why? Because you hope in God. You're not saying everything great in life is happening. In fact, it could be horrible, but you've got hope in God. 
Because he's made promises to you, as Hebrews says, and he's faithful. He promised to write the law in your heart, Hebrews 10, verse 16. He promised to work in you what is pleasing in his sight, Hebrews 13, 21. He's promised to remember your sins no more, Hebrews 10, 17. He's promised that he will be, you will be perfected for all time with one sacrifice, chapter 10, verse 14. He's promised to never leave you or forsake you, chapter 13, verse 59. He's promised to bring good from all your pain, chapter 12, verse 10. And he keeps his word. He's faithful to his promises. How can I be sure of this? Because he's given us the evidence of hope when he gave us his son, Jesus Christ and brought you into his presence. I fellowship with you because I have fellowship with him. I can do, verse 24, stir up to love and good works, not because I'm just doing well, not because I've got something to boast about, not because I'm so lovable and successful, but because I have the same fellowship as you do, and I need hope as you do. Because it's Jesus who loves me even if I make mistakes. It's Jesus who encourages me and prays for me, even though I'm going through stuff. And because I know this, hold fast, and I can go and encourage. This is why I can fellowship, because I have a Jesus whom I trust and hope. And that's important, because without hope, you will not be able to sustain the frustrations, the crushing disappointments. You will not have the strength or energy or joy to stir anybody up to loving good deeds. And so Hebrews is saying, bank on God, not yourself. Bank on God. God can be trusted. Not you, but God can be trusted. You've got no strength, but God has strength. And therefore gives you the ability, the desire to be an encouragement, to be a stimulation to someone, to encourage them to love and good works, because you're holding on to that hope. Okay? Let me take a moment to pray. We thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for your grace. We, we, we know, Lord, uh, the things that you say many of us have heard before. We know fellowship is important. Um, but we pray, uh, if it is important, um, we pray that we make it important practically in our lives. Whether that be attendance to church or whether that be any group, and whether it just be casually meeting with fellow Christians who are friends, or whatever the situation is, open our hearts to more. Give us strength and courage to do more in small ways, whether it's just listening, whether it's just praying for someone, whether it's just a text or an email to encourage, or whether it's walking alongside of somebody who needs help and encouragement, that though you yourself feel like inadequate to give, uh, or we myself may not feel adequate to give, but you give to us. And so, Lord, um, uh, we need your grace again, your mercy, and we pray that you grow the fellowship of the church even more deeply uh, in the next year. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.